Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. everyone and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. My name is Mark Ellis for a special After Dark episode of RT is Wrong. We had such a good time with these two last week. We brought them back for the After Dark episode. It is the Mance Man, Scott Mance and Roxy Stryer. Roxy star of stage and screen. Scott talking movies coast to coast on a number of different radio TV podcast outlets. Thank you all for just hanging out in Absolutely, our studio. Absolutely, Mark Ellis. Well, we, yeah, the host sure. with the most. We just talked about movie quotes. So first <laughs> of all, last week was our movie quote spectacular episode where we talked about the 25 most memorable lines from the last 25 years. We had some beef with it, but overall we thought the list was pretty fresh. Were there any movie quotes that y'all didn't get to say that you want to get off your chest? Tell me about it, stud. <laughs> that's what I've been thinking about this whole time. Tell me about it, stud. <laughs> just, that's been in your head all week, and we've been torturing you. That's honestly, like, just now, I'm like, it's been four years that I've wanted to tell them this. <laughs> that was sort of Sandra D's version of I See Dead People, because Tell Me About It, stud, tells you who the new Sandy is mm-hmm. and what she's all about. I'm putting out my cigarette on the floor as I say it to you Ooh. guys. Guys. I got chills, Scott. They're multiplying. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's electrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Before we ride off in a car that flies. Let me ask you, Scott. Yep. Movie quote that you didn't get to say last week. What is well, it? I, I said it at the very, very end, but then I realized this quote is actually great because it sums up what <laughs> this movie is all about. Argo, fuck yourself. No, th- I there it is. love that movie. One best picture. Ben Affleck should have won best director, but he wasn't even nominated, which is like one of the biggest snubs in Oscar history. Agreed. Argo is a masterpiece film. It is the kind of movie that you could watch over and over and over again and love it every time you watch it. It marks a, a real a milestone for Ben Affleck as a director, the way the movie shifts tones because all the stuff that's happening in Iran is so intense, but all the stuff that's happening in Hollywood is so funny and it's like a satire. It's it's a perfect movie. It's so well balanced between all those different tones. But yep. the most important Argo trivia question is what Van Halen songs featured in it, Scott? Uh, dance the night away. Dance, dance, dance the, the night, night away. away. You cannot throw fastballs by Scott Mance. He will hit him out of the park <laughs> every time. So here on After Dark, we just kind of talk about whatever's on our mind in the world of entertainment, movies, TV, sometimes just what's going on in our personal lives. We run the gamut here. So I want to start with another Ben Affleck directed movie that is now out in theaters and it is crushing it with the critics certified fresh 92% of the tomato meter. That would be Air. And so Roxy Stryer and I had the privilege of seeing this film 
at the same screening. We sat together. I got the traditional popcorn. Roxanne went cookie dough bites. And they, you should try them frozen. They can be enjoyed frozen. That's what it says right on there. Why would a candy at the movie theaters tell you you should freeze them? I'll what, tell you why. It's because your... she bought another box on the way out to put in the freezer. <laughs> They're really good. They're I gotta really have good. M&M's. M&M's are my go-to Munchy for I'm going to say something really mean to you right now. Uh-oh. And Sorry. I don't mean to. Uh-oh. I, I think M&M's are the weakest of the candies. I love M&M's. I have a real Gotta problem. have them. If you are a really? peanut butter M&M or a pretzel M&M, I respect you. If you're a regular M&M, I don't understand. There's no flavors. Wrong. You are wrong. No, there is they, flavor. They, it is chocolate. It is it is hard. Taste the hard same. candy covered chocolate. Melts in your mouth, and not in your hand. Melts in your mouth, not in your hands. You got all these different colors. You Literally melts from. in my hand. That is the worst advertisement. They do they melt, melt in your hands. I love those M and M's. I don't get it. I don't get the M and M love. I don't. I don't know what it is. And I like chocolate, but I don't. When I have the M and M's, it tastes to me like the shell the whole time. Okay, let me ask you two a question. Okay. And again, you can take it and make it as personal as you want to, yeah. all right? Mm-hmm. Or you can just say a yes or no. I don't really care, but this this speaks Uh-oh. to my my comparison with people and their personality types to M&Ms. So Scott and Roxy, would you say that in a relationship with a significant other, are you high maintenance? Absolutely not. I am so low maintenance. I'm so easygoing. I'm so chill. Like, there is absolutely nothing wrong with me. Okay. <laughs> I am the perfect person this is to be in a relationship with. Sounds very low maintenance. I am so very dating profile. I am extremely chill and easygoing, like go with the flow. Until you say something bad about Spock. You know, until you say something bad about Kirk. <laughs> until you cross Kirk. Do not say anything bad All right, about so, But you identify Kirk. as being low maintenance. Roxy, would you say that you are more high maintenance or low maintenance in the relationship? I'd say I'm mid maintenance. Mid maintenance. Mid- what brings you up to the mid? So I think that one of my problems is like, I'm not great at making decisions. And I actually think that makes you more high maintenance sometimes because like I don't have a strong preference on where we go to dinner. I don't have a strong preference on if we go to this day trip or this day trip. And people who do that, they think they're easygoing, but you're not easygoing. You just can't. You're not helping to contribute to the decision making team. Well, it becomes that sort of argument where it's like if you say I'm defensive, then if I defend myself, then automatically I'm defensive. Right. So you saying that you're mid maintenance and saying that you don't really pick the restaurant. If you and I are in the relationship, but first of all, you know which restaurant I'm going to every time. In and out. No, I was gonna say chili. <laughs> We're looking for Wood Ranch. Wood Ranch. Which is okay. Wood Ranch. The wood grown Ranch. up chili. No, we don't. We don't uh, go to Wood Ranch all the time anymore. So I didn't know that you were still doing the Wood Ranch. Well, thing. yeah, but like, so if you gave me the option of what restaurant I want to pick, I'm saying Wood Ranch every time. I don't know if that necessarily makes me high maintenance or extremely low maintenance. But for the sake of this conversation, I feel like low maintenance people love original M&Ms because we don't need any of the frills. We just yeah. want the pure chocolate. Yeah. More high maintenance people need them to be dressed up with something or to be have something shoved in the middle of it, which is not necessarily bad, but peanut M&Ms, peanut butter M&Ms, adorable. There's cookie M&Ms now. There's fudge M&Ms now. It's, it's so cute. Might you say that I have high standards? That is a great counter to my argument, and our ship might have just been sank here, Scott. Maybe our tastes aren't exquisite enough <laughs> no, for a young I, lady like Roxy. I would say that my tastes are pretty, pretty highbrow. You got so, elevated taste for an M M&M and M guy. I'm surprised. But you see, but you see, I can be, I can have elevated tastes. 
Mario, what happened to our conversation about air? We I know air is my air. favorite movie of the year. I've all I've seen every single movie on the list of movies that are out in theaters right now. I'm obsessed with air. It is the best movie of the year. It's got my, both my Boston boys. Uh, I would if it meant that I got to see this movie over and over again. I would only eat M and M's for the rest of my life. That's, I, I, I love this film. Air. I love this film. Air is an amazing. But movie. But what do you think about Reese's Pieces? No, no, no. Back to air. Mid. Back yes. to air. Well, well, you know, I like the I like the Reese's Pieces more because it makes me think of <laughs> ET. The and they melt well on the popcorn. But air, I know it's only April. I know it's early, too early to be talking about the Oscars. But if everything, wait, wait, if everything everywhere all at once can open in March and then go on to win seven Academy Awards, sure, then that the whole argument about oh it's too early that goes out the window because air is absolutely worthy. Ben Affleck directed the hell out of it. Uh, next to Argo, it's a very, very close second for him as a director, but it's a rousing, inspiring, feel-good crowd pleaser, uh, uplifting. It's really, really a fascinating story. Funny. It's funny. Yeah. Matt Damon is excellent in the film. It's just, I just love this movie to pieces. You when know what did... I loved about the movie was Chris Messina's performance as David Falk, Michael Jordan's agent, his yeah. longtime agent so and then good. business partner. Chris Messina was so He's good hilarious. playing what everybody's perception and what a lot of real life agents actually seem like yeah. on the phone. That was exactly he leans into how the I cliche. would imagine that character to be. For sure. Really, really good when when uh, he's like, oh, then we'll be best friends. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's yeah. totally what it I'm is. I'm going to eat alone and that's how I like yeah. it, right? What was the month that Parasite came out? Do you know? Parasite opened in theaters, I want to say in... In October or November oh, of okay. 2019, so late. but it won the Palme d'Or at Cannes in May. So okay. it, it it played a Cannes and then it played a Telluride in September and then it opened to like October, November. It, I know this is so, so meta to say, but like, what even is a movie release date anymore? I mean, the, the, it's like what? The, well, you got the the king of movie release date I, knowledge over here. So uh, I see what you do. They matter anymore yeah. in term in terms of award season and making that that run, which we all know it's it's a little bit of a political campaign. It's also does the movie have legs? Do we think that this is going to stand the test of time? If a movie was released earlier in the year, it's kind of already proven that it can stand the test of the time if it's still relevant during award season, right? When Everything Everywhere won Best Picture, it became the earliest release date for a Best Picture winner since Silence of the Lambs came out in 1991, February of 1991. Okay, but here's the thing. Why did that movie come out in February? Uh, Because nobody knew what they were doing back (laughs) then. But it didn't matter because not only did it win Best Picture, it swept the Oscars with picture, director, screenplay, actor, and actress. And going back to last week, pretty quotable too. Yes, extremely quotable. (laughs) But We all know what to eat with human flesh now. It used to be that (laughs) movies were supposed to be released at a certain time if they were like summer movies Mm -hmm. or if they were Oscar contenders, they would come out in like October, November, usually December, because people supposedly can't remember what they did last week, let alone, you know, nine or 10 months ago. But what happened was the pandemic happened. And after that, everything changed. So the idea that you can't have a really good movie open early in the year and that you can't have a summer movie open in March, like Super Mario Brothers made Marvel-sized numbers its opening weekend, $205 million domestic its first five days Easter weekend. That's crazy. so, so same. Basically, <laughs> basically, Roxy and Mark, all bets are off. 
the rule book that's printed on paper from a printer just goes <laughs> out the window. That's an inside joke for what Brox and I were talking about off camera. But actually, <laughs> it, it, the, the, the paper into virtual, how you know most of us board our planes now just with our phones, sometimes you pull up the Starbucks app by accident and try to get on the plane like I've done multiple <laughs> times. But it, I think that also speaks to why any movie release in any part of the calendar counts because of social media, because we kind of give things more air to breathe if no we like intended. them. So with air, it's like, well, people might keep talking about this movie into the summer. You know, something like Dungeons and Dragons, I don't think nearly gets the praise that it would have if not for social media, because the movie did much better financially than people would have expected. It's certified fresh on the tomato meter already, 90%, yep. and it ends up being a really fun movie. And I think that a lot of that has to do with people seeing it because they it was recommended to them by their D&D loving friends on social media. <laughs> That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch. Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Yeah, that's definitely true. I'm just like thinking about how crazy this is, though. Of all of the movies that are out right now, they all have some kind of IP or like fandom already built in. This is such a weird time. Okay, Mario Bros. Obviously, Nintendo. Yeah, of course. Air. It's a Michael. People are thinking this is a Michael Jordan. Is and it really? Nike. Yeah, yeah, and a Nike thing. D and D. Of course. Of course. Um, Scream. We've seen it before, and it <laughs> we'll was excellent. Again. But yeah, John Wick, we're on the fourth one. Uh, Creed, we're on the third one, and and it's the second part of a whole franchise. Like Roxy, <laughs> it's only April. I you know. know. You're used to seeing movies like that over the summer, and they're coming out the first quarter of the year. The this point is, is wild. What's wild is this. And I'm I'm surprised like like there hasn't been a more definitive like article written in like one of the trades or on like you know Forbes or the New York Times about this. Maybe but you should write it. I, <laughs> maybe I should because after after the two years in which the theatrical exhibition business was in deep deep trouble, movie theaters were closed for a year. Last year they came back in a big way because you had a movie like Top Gun, which which brought movies, moviegoers back. And when I said that, people were like, well, people were going to see Batman and Spider-Man No Way Home and stuff like that, but- That's what Spielberg said too, right? Well, well yeah, because- Tom? Be because- There were new demographics coming back to the right. theater to with, see Top with Gun Spider -Man, and With Spider-Man and Batman, you had younger moviegoers who really didn't care enough about COVID. They were going, but Top Gun brought grownups back who had not been to movie theaters in a couple of years. And what you're talking about, what Spielberg said to Tom Cruise at the Oscar nominees luncheon, when he said, you saved Hollywood's ass, <laughs> he was absolutely right. But then, you know, a month after Top Gun opened, Elvis 
also brought older moviegoers back to movie theaters. But, you know, so the last year was really just sort of like, okay, we're coming back. We're coming back this year, 2023. It's only April and it's already shaping up to be up there with like 2019 and 2018. Like we are really seeing that 2023 is going to be the year that movie going came back to its pre-COVID levels. And thank God for that. But we haven't had an everything everywhere all at once this year. A real original, yet, and a real original (laughs) script. I mean, not that I'm obsessed with air and it is original in in some ways, Um, but that all of these, like even Renfield's that's adapted, really good. Shazam, it's the second one. And then to to the point where we still have some sort of seasonal expectations where we get into the summer where that's where we expect the IPs. And so those original kind of stories like Barbie right, yeah. <laughs> Barbie I can't wait but, but you July. know a movie, so a movie that feels a lot like Air to me that I think people should check out is on Apple TV and that's the Tetris, Tetris. movie because oh, I haven't seen it yet. Th- they're both so so steeped in the 1980s and every shot is reminding you what decade this movie takes place in but it also feels very similar to Air because you have a guy whose back is against the wall he's not sure how long he's going to be at this company unless he makes a big play so he's going for the rights of Tetris. He's got to fly all over the world behind the Iron Curtain, yeah, so to speak. So, and, and so he really is risking life, limb, and family just to get this deal done in the same way that Sonny Vaccaro was doing the same thing on behalf of Nike and, you know, his own penchant for gambling. So that is that's what point. Tetris reminded me of. So so the fact that you connected the dots between Air and Tetris. I fit the wedges in, so to speak. But you did it seamlessly because that's a great, that's a great similarity. And Tetris is on Apple TV Plus. Taron Edgerton uh, plays this guy who went after the rights for Tetris, which I know you're the goat. You are the greatest of all <laughs> Go time. Go on my social Tetris. media if you don't it's all your me. social media. I forgot about that. That's your jam. That's Best it ever lived. Game but Boy the Division. Story, the story is so fascinating because like it, that movie turns into an espionage thriller. When he yeah. goes, you know, is looking for the rights and it's funny. And the guy who plays the guy's son, he's, you know, he's it, the, that Tetris is excellent. The problem with movies on streaming services, like if a, if a series like Beef drops on Netflix and they drop all 10 episodes or if a show like Picard is on Star Trek Picard is on Paramount Plus dropping new episodes every week. It's not as fun to open the homemade M&Ms as it is the carton when you get at a movie theater. Is that the point you were going to make? The point I was going to, no, close. (laughs) The point I was going to make is this, is that when a streaming service drops a movie onto its service, it disappears forever. You never hear about it again. Completely agree. You know, like when Tetris dropped on Apple TV Plus, you stopped hearing about it. The I reason- saw it pop up and then I was like, oh, I should watch that. And then I just didn't. These right. Services- and, and rare would be the movie that drops on a service this early that then makes the screeners round where they send out screeners. If for no other reason, just to remind you that it's on the streaming service, you should watch for consideration. The reason why the streaming service are still at a disadvantage for movies is this. When a movie drops on a streaming service, you never hear about it again. When a movie opens in theaters, you are still hearing about it. It is still getting press and exposure because people are writing about how it's doing at the box office. But you don't have that advantage when a movie drops on a streaming service. So when it drops onto Netflix, it disappears into this like abyss where you never see about, he, he, never see it again. You never hear it again. And and it's it's as gone, which is why I think the streaming services should focus on the TV stuff and let the movies focus on theatrical exhibition. 
let me ask you a question first, Roxy, because yeah. I, I, because you watch more TV than anybody I know <laughs> or have so ever much. met. You have I'm a very single. You have a very exciting <laughs> life. You're not high maintenance. Maybe, maybe mid if you're mid. doing the dishes no, pre dinner. But my question to you, and then I want to get Scott's take on this too, is that my feeling on streaming service movies and really shows in general is that they're at the disadvantage simply from an audience attention standpoint because when we're at home, we're much more inclined to look at our phones or yes. be distracted by something else. When you're watching the copious amounts of TV, movies at home that you do, do you put the phone away or is it, are you gonna glance at it? Because I find myself constantly having to rewind if I start doing that. So now when I'm watching shows at night, I have to put my phone completely away so nothing takes my attention other than Molly snoring. There are two sectors of shows. And if you watch, like I do, over 100 shows a year, then everybody has this. If you watch that much TV. I have, I can cook while I watch the shows, and I have, I have to pay attention shows. So for something like uh, Yellow Jackets or a Succession, right, my phone is nowhere near me. Okay. I am completely glued. But when you get into the MILF manners of the world, mm -hmm. as I do, uh, of course, <laughs> I am very often checking all of social, and then all of a sudden, the line will be set, and I'll be like, what? Sometimes I have to rewind. Sometimes I have to do that. But if it's a real show that I care about, no, and maybe this is going to be a pretentious comment, but, like, I have too much respect for the artists that are really trying yeah, to yeah, create work yeah. to be sitting there da, 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 on my phone. So it's like if it's a reality show, you know, if I'm guilty watching the Kardashians or something, I don't really need to be glued. But if it's a, a show that deserves my attention, that's such a rude way of putting it. If it's a show that I think <laughs> wants my attention, then I give it my attention. Well, it does have to earn it. But you see, yeah. you're, you're rare in the sense that you will really try to keep your phone away while you were trying to pay attention to a show. Uh, most shows, especially the ones that are really worthy of being paid attention to, most people don't do that. They work so hard and yeah. everybody has a job on it. And I think about the fact that I am an upcoming filmmaker and I really want to put out art that people care about. And then I picture them, you know, tweeting about it, being like this, the third act made no sense. And I'm sitting there thinking, because you didn't follow the second act because you were texting. Like, <laughs> I play all this out in my head. Like I never want to disrespect somebody who works so hard on something and it's been their dream since they were a little kid like me. So, you know, there's, there's the occasional show that I, I don't think they think of it like that. You know, I'm not going to pay attention to every episode of Love Island. There's six a week. Yeah, six that's a episodes. Lot. A week. That's a lot. <laughs> then you have like all the different. You have all the different. Like, like there's a UK version. There's all these different. Yeah, there versions is Mark of the reality shows that <laughs> Roxy will tell some you. of us know and love and watch and get excited about. What I always get excited about this time of year is like the one movie that I, I go back to when I was like a, a teenager. I'm mowing lawns to get money to go ride my bike to the movie theater because there's like that one movie you have to see this summer. What is that movie for Roxy and for Scott? I'm only letting you see one movie this calendar summer. Which theater do you walk into? Mission Impossible. Dead seven, Reckoning. Dead Reckoning Part One. Counting down Whoa. to July to see that movie. The reason is because all of those movies, even the second one, that kind of gets uh, not the best rep. His hair is worth the movie. I the love it. The rock climbing scene, Metallica, it. it's worth it. I love it. I love those Mission Impossible movies. And this is the rare, rare series that just keeps getting better and better. Mission Impossible 3 was really good. Ghost Protocol number four was excellent. Rogue Nation number five was awesome. Fallout number six was great. And the series started in 
Well, technically, the series the started in, the 60s, in 1966, right. you know, with a, it was a Desilu production. Yes, it was. Along with oh, Star Trek. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Lucille Ball greenlit both of those shows. But you as a should... movie series, 1996, Tom Cruise, <laughs> he produced the first film. It was the first movie he ever produced. All those movies are great. It took forever for them to finish Mission Impossible 7 because they were filming it right when COVID hit. But they kept going. And talk about a Mission Impossible. To do a film like that when COVID was at its worst but yet they finally finished it. I cannot wait. Cannot wait. That's my one. What's yours? You guys know what it is. I already Barbie. I screamed it out. Barbie. Is it Barbie? Uh, oh my God. I cannot express to you what Barbie means to me. Tell us. Like, uh, for, first of all, I love Greta, so I'm so I'm sure. so excited. This has gone through so many different iterations too. You guys remember when it was Amy Schumer who was cast mm-hmm. in it? I'm a huge Margot fan. You you remember? Uh, I didn't know yeah, that. It was, I didn't know that. It was Amy Schumer. I mean, it, this has been ha- in in the mix for a long time, and then they had Mattel rights issues and things were going on. So I've been waiting for a Barbie movie forever. I loved Barbies as a kid. I didn't like baby dolls. I liked Barbies because. I always made my Barbies go to the Oscars and to the Emmys. (laughs) And I didn't ever think about what is there, what is on this baby doll? I want to play house and mom. No, I made my Barbies go to work and I love playing Barbies. I came home one day. It was a whole Barbie world. And it was an entire Barbie world. And my brother's friend, who's no longer his friend because I made sure of it, (laughs) had come into my room and ripped all the heads off of my Barbies. Oh, that's a bad scene. I I was gutted. You couldn't get those things back on. I was devastated. I've had such a love for Barbie for so many years. Um, And also, like, at that age, I didn't have many friends, and they were, it was so cool to have my Barbies. I love these things. Well, so. you look at how popular Transformers is, or, like, the, even the G.I. Joe movies to a lesser extent, but, like, that's, those are boys' tours, right? That That's how we grew up in the 80s, and now Barbie, it's yes. like you finally get it. So I think that's going to do very well at the box office. Uh, closing I, up shop here. I just want to say one thing about Barbie about Margot Robbie yeah. playing Barbie in the real world. I think back to my pitch for a video game movie when I pitched a Miss Pac-Man film. Huh. Miss Pac-Man crosses over into the real world. And when she crosses over into the real world, she's played by a human being, Margot Robbie. Uh-huh. That was my pitch. They heard Will it. Green like they heard that. It. Well, green like that. I'll say uh, Indiana Jones 5 just because I think the, the trailers make it look really good, and I'm yep. really excited for that movie. Yeah. Uh, we're short on time. we got to get out of here, but I do want to remind you all that we have the Rotten Tomatoes, the card game, which is a lot of fun to play. There's a number of different ways to play it. You can just go by tomato meter, fan score, simply read your premise. Roxy actually got one. She she got one up on Scott. Uh, so here, I'll give you all one real quick. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Have the premise. All right. Then we got to get out of here. It's a short episode today. Here we go. All righty. Okay. Disillusioned Gen Xers come to terms with their post-college lives not meeting their expectations. Uh, uh, I was thinking Spring Breakers, but then you I, I was going to say Breakfast Club, but they're still in 1994 high is the date. Say that, say that description again. Disillusioned Gen Xers come to terms with their post-college lives not meeting their expectations. Clueless? No, 1994, post- 64% that was on the tomato meter. Now I got to give you the stars. Ben Stiller, Winona oh, Ryder. Oh, Reality Bites. Reality Bites reality is the bites. answer. I was not going to get there. Roxy yeah, beats Scott bites. on Life of Pi, and that is how we have to end the show. But Scott Mance, really impressed with your article on Variety, talking all things Picard, and like there's a big thing that happens later in the season, in season three Picard, and you're like, this needs to get out. 
to the world. Not not ruining the spoiler, but but expounding upon it for all the Trek fans out there. And Man. you can catch that article in Variety. I'll just tell you, Star Trek Picard season three has been absolutely everything. It has been the Star Trek season that the next generation crew should have gotten. Uh, you know, when they signed off in, in 1994 with all good things in the show, but then they had that movie, Generations, which Kirk died. I hated that movie. But then First Contact was good. Insurrection was okay. Nemesis was bad. So this is the send-off they're finally getting. And uh, it's like a fine wine. They have all aged really, really well. This show is amazing. If you love Star Trek, if you like it even just a little, season three, Star Trek Picard on Paramount+. Plus. You miss it, you are missing out. And you can start right there. That is Scott Mance, Roxy Stryer, who is on her way to yet another movie shoot, so we're going to let her go. I am merely Mark Ellis for the whole team here at Rotten Tomatoes. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of After Dark, where we talk about, really, whatever's on our minds. It might be M&Ms, it might be movies. It's probably <laughs> a little bit of both. So for the whole team here, thank you so much for joining us at Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong, and we'll see you next week. Next week.